Welcome to Node Up, special Node-based episode where we talk about databases in Node. Uh, I've got Rod Vag, Reynos, Paolo Fregameni, and Dominic Tarr, and uh, I'm Michael Rogers. And uh, this is like sort of a special show that we want to start doing a little bit more often where we just talk about the happenings with uh, Node.js databases. Um, all right, so let's kick it off, you guys. So we're going to begin the show uh, with just a little bit of vocabulary so that everybody kind of uh, knows what we're talking about as we as we go along because we can take things for granted. So like a log structured nude tree is kind of like, say you had say you had a library, say you had a pile of books. Now, if you had a small pile of books, you could just grab any book. You could find any book you need pretty fast. Um, so if you've only got like 50 books, then you just have a pile. But say if you had a few hundred books, then you put them all on a shelf, and if you need to find a particular book, if they were out of order, finding them, uh, finding a particular book could take a while. It could take a few minutes or something like that. But if they're sorted, it could be really fast. Um, so, you know, this is just basic computer science. Everybody knows this. Like, you can find it. You can find a, uh, if your thing is ordered, then you can do a binary search and find your thing really fast. So this scales really well. So if you have, like, thousands of books or millions of books, if they're in order, you can find any book you have really fast. So imagine you have an entire library, like a massive library, um, and you want to look up a book. You can just find that really fast. But what happens if when new books are arriving? Like what if some days you've got your library and a whole truckload of books arrives and they all from Michael Rogers. and they all start with the letter B? Um, like how do you add them to, to your bookshelves? So one approach that may seem, like given a library metaphor that may seem appropriate is you just leave a little bit of space on the end of each shelf for new books. So when new books come in, you just like shuffle the other books along, fit them into the gap and you can put the new books on. But if some days like entire truckloads of books arrive, then there might not be enough extra space. And then all that extra space is like empty. Um, it's like sectors on the disk that aren't being used and that sort of stuff. So if, if you can't control, if you can't, you have no, if you expect surprises and the amount of data that turns up, that, that just doesn't work. But what if you did it like this? So this is how LevelDB basically does. You have one, you have like a short stack that's like, this is the books that have arrived in like the, in like today. They're just in a pile. Um, and the librarians know what, like they can remember all the books there. Basically, this, this section is in memory. Then you have, uh, a bookcase that's like these are the books that arrived yesterday and that's a fairly small amount of books and then you have another uh, aisle of books that are like these are the books that have arrived this week and then you have a large collection of books that is like this is the, a month's worth of books and then when someone comes and wants to request a book first they ask the librarians and if it's a book that's brand new they give it to them immediately and if it's like a book that's arrived recently then you check in the next in the next shelf and then the bigger shelf and the bigger shelf, and you'll probably find, um, and you better you better use the binary search approach to find your book really fast. Um, and you just go to the next book, next shelf when you don't find it. And this scales really well. You can still and and you can, it's like n times log n. And there's other tricks you can do with uh, bloom filters and stuff to make it even faster. LevelDB traces its history back in Google to um Google's big table stuff, which is, you know, their massive data storage system. But it the reason it exists um now is because of Chrome. 
So Chrome, I think like everything else, uh, was using SQLite um, to do its storage. I think it was anyway. Um, and it's, you know, that's, it's not the most optimal solution when um, all you want is keys and values, really. Um, so these guys in Google, um, Jeff Dean and Sanjay Gemwat, um, who are some researchers in um, Google, they sat down and they re-implemented the ideas of Bigtable in this open source library, and it was designed to be open source from the beginning. So it's sort of a fresh re-implementation of the ideas. And they then handed it to the Chrome team and said, here you go, here's a new storage system for you. And, um, you know, it's it's got benchmarks with it. It's super fast. Um, but it's basically just um, a key value store with get, put, delete, and um, sorted iterators that can iterate for, um, in both directions across the data store from arbitrary points. Um, and that's that's all LevelDB is. Dtrace is pretty important because it gives us the ability to instrument a system and see the activity and behavior of a software of a piece of software uh, without causing side effects. Um, every time you try to observe something uh, with a uh, with a, a, a tool, you affect it in some way, and uh, Dtrace doesn't doesn't cause side effects that most most tools do. Most people, when they try to observe the interesting data points that are produced by an application, they tend to say, for example, log to disk. And this has an adverse effect. And it often won't really give you, it's a very crude way to, to measure things. So Dtrace is essentially a, a safe, non-Turing complete scripting language that gets turned into object code and then pushed into uh, the kernel. So that the kernel can observe the way that the application is uh, behaving and the system calls that it makes uh, and so on and so on. And it does this um, on uh, most most popular operating systems. It, it's uh, Darwin's been instrumented for Dtrace, um, uh, uh, SmartOS, um, one of my favorite operating systems, uh, and it works on Linux great. Anyways, uh, so this this gives you a mature um, and really thoughtful tool for being able to instrument uh, and observe the behaviors of an application. Um, and we've been, or I've been, I've been using this to try to instrument uh, the level DB software, uh, so that we can try to understand uh, the, the where where it spends its time executing and how uh, it's operating and, and if it's operating efficiently. So, uh, Rod, why don't you talk about uh, level up first? Okay. Um, so, level up started as a really you know, just a, a side project, but it's evolved into something really awesome because of the people that have been attracted to it. Um, and so it's just a level DB binding at its basic, um, but we have managed to extract out the pure binding into a separate project called Level Down. Um, and now we have Level Up and Level Down doing their two different things. Level Up is, is basically a node-style interface to Level DB. Level, da level Down is a, a more pure Level DB interface into Node. Um, and just recently, we've uh, also um, sort of severed the connection between the two in terms of dependencies. So level down is now an, an optional dependency um, for, for level up. And we have a number of different backends emerging that you can plug into to level up. So level up is becoming something um, sort of, you know, it's got a life of its own. Um, and it's turning into it's quite a cool platform for building database -y things for node and also for the web. 
So what what are what are some of the other backends other than Level Down, and what are the advantages of them? Well, we started with uh, the, the one I implemented that was just a, basically a test to to make it make sure it, it would you know do the right thing was a it's called Mem Down, and it's a uh, pure in memory version of of Level Down. So you can do all the standard level DB, DB level DB level DB operations without actually interacting with um, the disk. So you can run Mem Down. And not even have a, a, you know, it touch the disk at all. Um, of course, you'll run out of memory if you put too much stuff in it, and it doesn't persist. Um, and then there's two more that are, uh, are um, fairly mature now. There's Level JS um, uh, by Max Ogden, and it's designed to be backed by Index DB in the browser. So you can then browserify Level Up and Level JS together, and you've got basically a level up interface in the browser. Um, and then there's another one called level down gap. And that's another browser one. Uh, and that's mainly for using local storage, I think. And that's also uh, specializes in working on phone gap applications as well. Um, but there's also some other ones in the work. One of them is um, I've been tinkering a bit with the, the Basho uh, fork of level DB. Um, they claim to have optimized level DB for the server. Um, and so another option that I'm pursuing is having an alternative level DB available to plug in that's based on the Basho level DB. So if you have performance reasons, you can switch it out with a different level DB. Plus, we can also implement uh, other um, embedded storage um, systems as long as they can do the very basic stuff that level DB can do. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Um, today's show is sponsored by Andyet. Uh, Andyet builds awesome, beautiful Node APIs and JavaScript SDKs for clients like AT&T, and they also have their own product called Andbang, and they're available for all kinds of like amazing consulting. These guys are really, really top-notch guys, all of them. Um, Andbang uh, is actually a real-time chat program for teams to work together, which is a mix of sort of web and IRC and sort of task tracking, but in a really more freeform, collaborative way. You can sign up for Anbang for free right now while it's in the private beta uh, and check out the developer docs at anbang.com. The Anbang API is built off a spec which generates the SDK and interactive API docs, uh, which also has interfaces for REST and for Socket.io and um, uses all kinds of awesome open source tools that you can uh, read about as well. Um, They also help build, they help clients build stuff like this as well. So if you have a really great real-time app that you want to build, they're the best people to talk to. They've also been really involved and heavily committed to the WebRTC community. Um, so check out uh, conversate, conversate.io, uh, which is built on their new open source library called uh, Simple WebRTC, and also check out Simple WebRTC. Um, they're huge supporters of the community. Um, Adam Brault and all the people over at Andyet uh, run some really amazing conferences. Adam ran Brio the, earlier this year. He's ran real-time comp for two years. He'll be doing it the third year in a row this year. Uh, they're also doing a WebRTC camp uh, as well as uh, the second Redis conf. Um, so, you know, check out all of those. They're all happening in, in Portland in November. Or, sorry, in uh, October, not November. Uh, also, uh, Andyet has a new security wing called Lyft Security. Uh, Lyft Security provides uh, security for uh, GitHub and 37signals, and they also organize the amazing Node Security Project, which is working to audit and uh, have a more like open, collaborative security audit of all of the modules in NPM. So check that out as well. 
great guys. Uh, great to have them uh, supporting the show. So um, I know that recently, Paolo, you were writing some uh, some D-Trace probes um, for Level D stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I started working on uh, implementing a branch of uh, D-Trace enabled um, level down. And then um, what I had realized was that I needed to actually also instrument all of LevelDB itself. Uh, so the project got uh, a little bit more complicated than uh, I had initially thought it would. Uh, so it's it's been um, slow, but coming along. Um, what I hope to learn from that is, um, you know, where where the uh, application where where the application spends most of its time, where in the call stack call stack things are are taking. Um, their time and how we might be able to improve it, especially once we get back up to the binding layer. There's been a number of cases where we've noticed significant improvements from doing very simple things. Uh, for instance, a little while back, we had uh, a very simple code change from using bind in a JavaScript function to using um, a, a reference uh, to this in the closure, and it had almost made a forty percent increase or something like that in execution time. Rod, can you remember the details surrounding that? Um, so Matteo claimed fifty uh, percent, and then there was another ten percent, I think, squeezed out of it just by removing an apply as well. Right, right, yeah. So I'd really like to be able to get, you know, have Dtrace tell us a story about where. Uh, execution times are being spent, whether they're in the JavaScript side, whether they're at the binding uh, side, or whether they're down inside LevelDB itself. Um, and so this, like I said, became a little bit more complicated than I initially thought it was. But working with Dtrace is pretty easy, and um, it's starting to gain some traction. So hopefully within the next couple of weeks, we'll have um, a branch that will help us uh, gain a lot more insights into the performance of LevelDB and the stuff that we're building on top of it. That's awesome. Um, so, all right, let's let's move on uh, up the stack a little bit. Um, what's a level graph all about? Le level graph is a graph database written on top of LevelDB that was done recently. Um, it's interesting because when I looked at it, I didn't realize how like simple it would be to um, implement graph database features on top of LevelDB. It, it reinforces that feeling that um, LevelDB allows building a modular database on top of uh, LevelUp. Um, what it actually is, is it just it gives you the ability to store um, graphs in, in LevelDB so you can um, store uh, nodes and uh, links. And then the main benefit you get is that you can do um, searches on, on the graph. So you can do a query where you say, I want to get um, a couple of connected nodes with some properties. So, if you wanted to do um, 
some kind of search for for friends. You could say you could build a query that says um, give me um, all the first order and second order friends because you you tell it what that there there is there is a friend link between these these people these nodes and you want to find two of them, um, which yeah that, that's just that's just useful. He's got some. He's got some really good documentation on the uh, on his GitHub page for the kind of features that um, are implemented in the in the database. But it's a, you know, this this showed up sort of. We had no warning that this was being developed, and it just showed up, and it's like, you know, it's a bit of a mind blow that you can take these very simple features that LevelDB has, and um, you know, and they're really simple. The, the, it's just get, put, batch, um, delete, and a sorted read stream. And that's really the killer feature of LevelDB, I think. And then you're able to take that and build something as, as different as a, as a graph database. So, But it's worth having a look at the, the GitHub page because it's got some great examples and um, some good documentation there. He also has a really shiny logo, which, which just helps so much. <laughs> Dominic, you want to say something about Hexastore? Oh, right, right. So that that's what... Uh... The level that's what level graph is like you have like three like it's triples so you have like say an uh, an object a subject and a relationship so like um so like jake michael and um co-presenter is the relationship or something like this and then you could build a graph of all the people who've ever been on node up together and it's indexed by each combination of the first two things. So from any two things, like you can get all of the relationships that Jake is in, uh, or all of the people that he's in relationships with. So it's really fast to iterate across. So that's that's really interesting, and and it gets me on this uh, thing that I wanted to bring up. Where um, it, this all started, I was I was at a conference with with Jan Learnhart uh, from CouchDB and and Hoodie and a bunch of stuff, and I was just talking about how excited I was about all of this new database stuff in Node, and he expressed concern that it, we would be a little bit limited by the fact that we're standardizing so much on LevelDB and by the fact that we're standardizing so much on this sort of log-structured merge tree underlying everything. Um, but what I've actually seen is that people are creating really interesting index structures just using that and building on top of that. Um, so Hexastore is one of them. Um, another one that I've like super, super into is uh, ByteWise, which is like a, a library by Dean Landl. And so if you've, if you've ever used um, CouchDB before or you've ever like uh, looked at the newer index database spec, there's this, there's this thing that you can do where you you store keys that are uh, more complicated than just a string, right? So it's say that it's an array it would sort by the first value in the array and then the second value of the array rather than sort of compacting them together and just calling it a string and saying that like, you know, oh no, I'm not going to sort on that first and then the second piece first, I'm actually going to sort like, you know, where the comma was or where the, or, or actually if it was a JSON, it would be where the, um, and the curly quote was, sorry, the end quote. Um, and so once, once you like, uh, use ByteWise though, you take these complex objects and ByteWise will just give you back a buffer. And the buffer just sorts properly for all of these really complicated sorting that you want to do of, of these values in LevelDB's normal, like, sorting algorithm. Um, and this is really, really cool. Like, um, if you've ever wanted to cut up 
um, a level DB into sections, this makes it incredibly easy because all you do is you expose an API where people get, you know, everything after this first point in the array. Um, and then you can, you know, just expose uh, separate, you know, database instances as just being slices of this one database. Um, I know that you did this earlier, Dominic, without that. But, um, like, how did you actually do that without uh, ByteWise? Like, what were you, what, what technique were you using to slice up the level DB? Right. So I uh, started playing around with this and I, I, built at first i didn't really do that i just kind of was like sort of in each thing each feature i added i just kind of partitioned the the sections off with a different um prefix and the trick i figured out was that um you i well you don't have to do it this way so you need you want the all the weird stuff that you're doing so you have a range um that means something and like inside this range that's one type of data and then you want to make sure that everything outside, that's another kind of data you want to better always, like the range is like a really important concept in level DB because, um, because it all ends up continuous on disk. So if something is adjacent to itself, it, so a range is, is actually adjacent on disk. So you can read it out really, really fast. So you want to optimize for that by making sure that all of your things are arranged. So the, the basic, the, the, and at other times you want to, um, like group keys into like a sort of hierarchy. So there's basically, so the, the two things you need to, to do to do that is you use, uh, if you prefix your keys with something that sorts at the end. So like you might go, like, I remember, so you might do like Z, 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 Z at the end uh, as your prefix. And then you know that that thing is going to appear after all of the things that have normal names. Now that's just a contrived example. You actually want to use something that's right at the end of the uh, byte range. So um, you could use tilde, which is the last um, printable character, or you could use um, 255, which you can enter into JavaScript as into a string as backslash x ff. And then something that, that starts with that um, will be right at the end of that range. So you can go like, uh, ff, oh, slash x, ff, um, a prefix named slash x, ff, and then you know that anything with that prefix will be after everything else in that, um, in that section, any other section of the database that may share a prefix with it. So you can reason about, um, ranges. And the, the other thing that's, uh, good to know is if you use an early separator. So if you separate by null, um, or maybe exclamation mark or a space or something like that, that will sort early. So if you have, um, say like if you were to store files in level DB or in some sort of sorted range. And so files, you want the directories to sort. You want, say, one level of the directories to sort and then the subdirectories to sort correctly by their names. But you don't want, um, but the length up to the slash shouldn't, shouldn't matter. So like AAA slash the rest, um, should sort before AAA one slash, but slash is somewhere in the middle of, of the ASCII range. So if you change slash for null or something that sorts really early, then it will sort how you, it'll sort consistently. I think I get that. Um, Quick word about uh, Walmart Labs. Uh, so Walmart Labs is a group within Walmart that is uh, trying to reinvent commerce. 
and you know note that there that that is commerce not e-commerce uh, and uh, they're really working on a wide range of retail experiences both uh, in-store uh, at home uh, mobile has been an amazing focus of, of what they've been building um, and uh, they, they have a, a really amazing team and uh, they are hiring and if you uh, get hired. You will have the opportunity to work on their um, web platform, their, their uh, uh, Node.js framework called uh, HappyJS. And uh, Happy is a, a framework similar to Express, Restify, and some others. Happy has a, a special characteristic where it, it's really designed for larger teams. If you go and check out Aaron Hammer's talk that he gave recently. He talks about how you know, typically when there's a, a, a technology change, there's you know a, a complete shift of teams. And it really designed Happy Jazz through its you know NPM first, NPM first class citizen uh, approach. Uh, you know, modules or plugins and, and you build around that, that core sense of modularity. Uh, go check out uh, HappyJS to see what I mean. Uh, be sure to follow HappyJS on Twitter. And uh, you can also check out all of the cool open source tools, both uh, for Node and uh, for Frontend, at uh, github.com slash Walmart Labs. Thank you. So I, I just did something recent, um, something like this recently. So um, I did a little like experiment called uh, PushDB. And so the, the basic concept of PushDB is that you have one database which can have any number of stores and indexes in it. And a store and an index are essentially almost exactly the same, except a store has unique IDs and an index does not have you know unique IDs. You could have a bunch of things in the index that were all the same key, right? Right. And um, so base, the, the basic premise of PushDB is that all of this is actually stored in one level DB. And so the, and I'm using ByteWise. So the first part of this big array identifies the, you know, whether it's a store or not and what the name is or whether it's an index or the name. Then there's your actual key space, right? Um, and then in an index, actually, the next part is a UUID. Um, so that, you know, because in, in level DB, everything has to have this unique identifier. So I just add a UUID afterwards that we can have a bunch of things that are the same, you know, abstract key. Um, and then I expose an API for getting ranges and, and setting and getting things out of this. But, um, one thing that I wanted to do with PushDB, that the, the idea behind it was that I wanted to be able to index some things that are really hard to do in couch and really hard to do in a few other systems where, um, so every time that you write a key into a store or an index, there's an event. And you should be able to sit on that event and then write new keys and indexes. And the first really complicated part of that is that when you update one of these, one of these sort of root key nodes, uh, you want to be able to go through and remove everything that was created because of it before and then sort of generate new ones based on the new value that's getting created. And if you remove a value from a store or an index, you want to be able to, to do the same thing with that kind of treat. And so what it really does is that, you know, um, when you get that event, you get a different API for setting and getting values. Um, and then everything sort of, b before everything gets batched together to write to the database, um, I have all of the, you know, exact keys and identifiers that were created for this root node. Um, and because every one of those indexes also has a UID at the end, I also know exactly which index got created for it, and I can tear that out as well. 
Um, and yeah, it's it's like a really fun um, little project. Um, I, I suggest that anybody who wants to play around with it, play around with it, but do not uh, use it in production. Like, do don't don't, <laughs> please don't. Um, the whole API is likely to change. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the kind, that's the really exciting uh, place that uh, LippingDB is at the moment. Like, like, um, like Node was a couple of years. Like, anyone could be building the thing that everybody is using in the future. You don't know um who it's going to be and we're just like playing around and figuring stuff out like i, I, pull- I have some, sorry sorry no go ahead Tommy. so i have a similar uh uh experiment where i i did a whole bunch of uh stuff with like MapReduce and uh like some triggers and and this sort of stuff and i had this and um and storing various things in the database and then i was like there's got to be a simpler way and i made this thing uh, called sublevel, which it ha- abstracts away all of the prefixing, all the managing prefixes for you. You basically you add this uh, sublevel function, you add the sublevel plugin, then you call the it adds a sublevel method to the database, and then when you call that, it returns a new an, a new instance of uh, an object that has the same API as um, level up. 99% the same, but, and it feels like it's a whole instance of the database, but everything you put into it or get into it is restricted into a prefix range. So you have this abstraction of the database and it's within the other database, but you can treat it as if it's an entire database. So you can have, it's just like you have can have multiple databases and if when one, when a change occurs in one, you can pipe that change into another database, basically. So you can, it's like having all these databases, but the thing is you can access multiple database instances, uh, like these virtual instances atomically. So you can get consistent data between them, consistent views, which is a really, it's like, it just gives you a clean abstraction to build crazy stuff on. Just back on the, um, the point about building your own database, like PushDB. I, I pulled out a list of um, some of the packages that depend on on level up recently, just to have a look at what was going on. Um, and a, there's a lot of these kinds of experiments, like PushDB, where people are taking you know the basics of level up and level DB and building their you know their dream database sort of. Um, and mostly they're experiments; they're not really worth putting on the wiki, for example. I think um, you know they're work in progress, or they're just pure experiments. But I think that's one of the exciting spaces here that, um, you know, we, we now have the basic building blocks to take and to learn about databases and to figure out what are the things that we value most about databases in our applications. Um, so there's, there's this whole, you know, cool experimentation that's going on now because the basic tools are now available to us. Um, and I really encourage anyone that either just wants to learn or you know, is keen to actually implement something that they want to have a go at doing that and, you know, have a look around at what people are doing. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah, and this is what is so great about JavaScript. Like, this is the JavaScript way. Like, we get given, we get basically handed down this API from WC3 and a piece of shit, uh, usually, a LevelDB is really simple and elegant, but normally you just get this piece of crap and then a whole community of people can iterate on it like however they want they can try anything and one of them will come up with something really good and then everyone will just use that 
that's like like they'll like that's you know um that's the that's what that's why javascript works and we get to do it in the flavor that we want so we've got callbacks and promises and we've got you know jquery versus well jake there's jquery now but so you know we get to do it in the flavor that suits us suits our preferences and that's what we're seeing now is that you know we've got a graph database there um you know that's <laughs> that's cool i, I yeah. think one of the most important ways to to express it is that no level level db is essentially um a kernel of functionality and i think it's following in the same uh sort of footsteps as node where you have just the minimum viable means for doing the absolute core of what you need and and building out almost everything else into user land like exactly it promotes exactly what what we've been talking about which is the ability for something to win something for everyone to try and then for something to be realized as the best of those things which becomes really nice for people to be able to use that's a really good way of putting it actually um rod did you want to say anything about uh jan's uh concerns about uh like limitations of lock structure merge trees or anything yeah so um and I've heard this before, and I've had these thoughts myself as well. That that we're really we are standardizing on this level DB thing. But there's there's a couple of things I want to say about that. One of them is that um, we're at a point now where you know we we can swap out level DB for something else. Um, and there's a couple of other embedded value, uh, key value stores that provide that can provide the same features as level DB, same basic features that we care about um that we can swap out. So if if there's a particular concern about the storage mechanism, then sure, swap it out. But I don't think that's the big concern. Um, so what we've done with level up is is made a specific API that's based around these these sort of these core operations. Um, so you've got the get, put, delete, and a sorted stream of keys that you can just basically range query. Um, the, the the point I want to make is that those are basic operations that are that are underneath every database system. That every, every database system has a way of writing to disk, and that's all we're doing. We're providing that layer that stores stuff to disk and makes it easy to fetch it again. What we're seeing now in in, in node space in userland is people imp implementing the database that goes on top of that. So we're not, you know, level up is not a database. Let's not, you know, pretend it's a, a full database that has got all the features you want. It's the you know the basic building block of a database. So, you know, we're not really not standardizing on level DB. We we have building blocks that we are doing crazy experiments with, and we are going to see this flourishing space of all these tools that we can plug in together to build the functionality that we want that can replicate things like what CatchDB does, um, and you know all these different data databases. So, it's just a building block. So that's a that's a good transition into uh, talking about extending level up. Um, so uh, I, I really loved this ByteWise library. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I wrote PushDB in it. And then once I had kind of written PushDB, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, it'd be nice if I could just add ByteWise um, support to level up um, and expose that as like its own module. That would be like a nice way to modularize this. And I quickly saw that somebody had actually already done that. Um, somebody had written a library called ByteUp. Um, but when I looked at the code, it's it's extending it in sort of a weird way. It, it, it actually like... 
it requires it and then um, adds like something to the encoders um, and actually does that globally. It doesn't return it. Um, so if you were requiring a different version of ByteWise, this would actually like not work and kind of break on you. Um, and that that got me thinking. Well, like, well, what is a better way to extend level up and and how do we do this? Um, so do you guys want to talk about that? Dominic should probably chime in there with something. I, I think that uh, he wrote the wiki article on extending. Oh, so I've been, um, yeah, so I did, I started, when I started working with LevelDB, I was like, everything's got to be a plugin. And the first approach was like, uh, just like I'd patch on a new, I like monkey patch on a new method. And I mean, like some people objected that I was monkey patching the database, but my response was, you know, I'm like, you were, it's still like the database itself. The key range is basically a global, like one global space of keys. So you might as well reflect that on the database object itself, because at least that's consistent. But if you return a new object, um, but you're still, and you're trying to get, you're trying to, and so if you return a new object, then it seems cleaner. But it doesn't mean that you can necessarily use two different um, two different modules that extend level up on the same level up instance because it, you don't know how they handle um, different key ranges. Um, so I wrote a thing um, that was to address this problem. That if you, I guess technically it's a it's a framework for extending level up, which is the sub level thing I was talking about before. Um, which gives you a uh, like abstracted like prefix thing and probably most um level db plugins you could you could actually get a sub level and then apply the plugin to that um just that sub level and that would work um i haven't tried the things other people have written but uh, i'm betting like probably 95 percent of them will work and if not i could probably make a small pull request or something but we're working on ways to get like like without pulling in all the like radical opinions from sub level but but adding in hooks and stuff to make it easier to extend um, level up in a clean way. So, yeah, so there's a, there's, a, there's a few approaches that people are taking here, and it's partly because um, we, we haven't standardized this at all. And I'm not sure we will standardize it as such, because who wants standardization? But um, there's a lot of experimentation in the best ways to do this. And... Sublevel is emerging as one of the, you know, the better ways of doing it. And when I'm extending, I'm preferring to use the sublevel approach, um, where I can. Um, but there's a lot of monkey patching going on. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, little hacky stuff going on. And, and bite up is, is one of them. It's an interesting approach that he's using in bite up. And I, it's not, you know, for, for what he wants to do, there's not really an easy way to do that because, and this is something we've discussed. You can't, um, alter the, you can't easily alter the, um, the, the encodings that that level up uses and we have an issue at the moment to in in github where we've been discussing how best to do that well um, i i think that at the very least he should return the version of level up that he required and extended right yeah i, I guess so yeah i mean that's yeah <laughs> true um but i think the, the 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 point is that it's not easy to do some of these things um some of them are easy you'll have a look through the list of of modules that people have built around level, level db level up and some of these things are quite simple um, but there's other things that are a bit tricky so if you look through the github issues list there's like 
three or four issues that are purely devoted to extending level up. And this has been an ongoing discussion we've been having for a while um, as we experiment and find the best way of doing it. And I think we're coming to an agreement where we're going to have some sort of, you know, we're going to pull in some of Dominic's ideas with hooks and and pull pull them into a core part of, of level up so that it makes it easier to get into the internals so that you don't have to do so much monkey patching. Because if you have, you know, three different um, plugins, you know, attached on top of level up, then they all could be monkey, monkey patching on top of each other. Um, and it's not necessarily the best way of, of doing this. So um, I think for now, the best advice is if you want to extend level up, then you need to have a look through what other people are doing. And the list of, of, of modules on the wiki is, is the best place to do that. So look at what other people are doing and see what the best approach is for what you're doing. Um, some of the things on there I wouldn't advise. And I'd also advise first to look at sub-level to see if that solves your needs. Um, but then look at what other people are doing. Cool. So um, people that are sort of new and getting started doing this, um, they probably want some tools to help them out. <laughs> um, Paolo, could you tell us just about a few tools that probably help during level DB um, development and, and tinkering around? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I actually started uh, using level level up um, and I was amassing a significant amount of data, uh, every time I wanted to see some data, I would end up go going to write a piece of code to look at what had gone into the database. I started getting obviously really annoyed by this. So I wrote a pretty simple REPL tool, uh, a command line and REPL tool, all kind of rolled into one, which allows you to explore the data. And it's called Lev, and it's on my GitHub account, uh, github.com slash hij1nx slash Lev, L-E-V. Um, you can install this globally with NPM, and uh, as soon as you start putting data into a database, uh, you don't have to write any code to, to explore it. You can just go uh, point lev at the folder where where the data is kept. Essentially, leveldb is all stored as files. Uh, so it all lives in one directory, and you can point lev at that directory, and uh, from the command line, you can you know, do things like uh, um, uh, dash R to look at a read, uh, read, readable stream of the data, uh, and you can specify dash dash start and dash dash end for end keys and limits and such. And it's all at parity with the level up API. So it's very intuitive and simple. But you can also, um, explore the database as, uh, using a REPL, which is kind of nice. Um, so you start the REPL, you point it at the folder where it's where um, where your data is, and then um, it's essentially the same thing as Node's REPL, uh, but it has a few additional functions built in. So you can create read streams and uh, drop ranges and uh, or delete ranges and so on and so on. Um, and that's also the exact same API as the Level Up API. Um, so that's that's one pretty useful thing. Um, after I realized that I had even more data. Uh, I needed something to be able to um, to have to have other people looking at the data that was being created, and so um, you know, command line can present a certain technical barrier to entry, um, 
as well as a limitation on what what kinds of ways you can view the actual data. So I started working on a project called Level Web. Uh, Level Web is both a client; it can act as a client and a server. So um, Level Web can be pointed at a level up or level db instance that lives anywhere um, whether it's uh, a directory that you're pointing it at or it's a level db instance that's exposed to the network via something like uh, multi-level which is a in my opinion like a, a fairly critical uh, module at this point for level db one of one of the things that a lot of people uh, really need to end up doing is looking at uh, having having multiple processes look at a single instance of level DB, but since level DB is locked by the process, um, it makes it a little bit difficult for other processes to interact with it. So level web opens up this database um, for you to connect with it via TCP or TLS or whatever you want. So level web uses multi-level to connect to instances of level DB across a network. And it does it securely um, and it provides an interface uh, for you to be able to um, to securely log in, uh, explore the data using a, a graphical user interface uh, to, to create queries, save queries, restore queries, change them, uh, and also it has some built-in visualization stuff. So one of the most immediate things that you want to do after you're able to very easily create queries on, on your range queries and um, you know, sort of establish what the data is that you're looking for, maybe you bookmark some of the keys or save a query or whatever, then the next kind of logical thing that you want to do is um, maybe do some basic visualizations on this data. So I'd initially gone to set up um, uh, Graphite and it was just enormously complicated and, and it just added so much to the stack and um, you know, I pretty much have most everything that I'm doing in Node, so I thought, well, We'll just add some visualiz simple visualizations using D3 um, into uh, into the application itself. So, uh, so in real time, uh, as the data comes in, uh, uh, as as data is added to the database that Level Web is connected to, uh, you can do things like say create a query that uh, has reverse set to true on it and a limit of ten. Now in the visualization, using that query, you can create a, a stacked area chart or a bar chart that um, that visualizes the data that's coming in. And so you're able to, to create a tailing bar chart in real time of data that's going into the database using any kind of arbitrary uh, keys or, or values that you're interested in. Um, so this this is really useful um, for, for a, a number of pretty generic um, use cases, and um, I think it's it's definitely helped for me to have my data tell me a story about what it's doing, um, especially because <clears throat> level DB is essentially the, used for the back end of the product that I'm building. So I found it really useful. Um, those are the two things that I've been working on. I haven't really seen any other any other tools out there, but I'm sure that they'll start to crop up as there's a pretty high uh, rate of um, of of software being developed around level up and level db
So one one question I had about this. Um, so you're you're visualizing the data and you're kind of showing like keys. And one thing that I see is that you know everybody's coming up with all these fancy new ways of encoding the keys. And what they look like to LevelDB is that they're just you know binary keys, right? Whether they come from ByteWise or they have this new Hexastore thing or whatever. Is there a way that when we're doing all these higher order abstractions that we could store some kind of metadata that said this is how you encode the keys like we're using this kind of encoding so that you could do a better job of like visually representing it and stuff like level web and other tools so absolutely uh recently somebody was using level web and it's very much a work in progress and features are still evolving and there's still lots of stuff to be done um right now it's kind of it's greedily serving just my purposes but um but i'm i'm actually finding it pretty easy to uh take uh, other people's interests and and sort of roll them in and i think that they apply pretty broadly um I, I think that that's probably number one on the list of next things to do is to be able to support things like uh rendering binary say say for example if you're storing images as the values in level db to be able to display the images properly. Uh, the, the first idea that kind of came to mind was like, well, uh, have a, a set of different uh, p potentially supported encodings and test the data to see if the, you know, those, those encodings can process that data. And if so, then um, ask the user if that's what they intended and then attempt to read the rest of the data in that way. Um, there, there's there's a bunch of ideas that people have been discussing with me about this, but uh, it's it's one of those things where if somebody came along with a great pull request, I would be incredibly grateful. <laughs> and um, even ideas are welcome. I'm totally open to it. I think it comes back to like the the best practices talk that we were just having, right? Like if we come up with a best practice for extending LevelDB, like if you if you add a new value type or you're doing a certain particular key encoding, if we had something that you could add or some place that you could stick something that for metadata, we could um, the tools could be so much better for introspection. So I've kind of I've started experimenting with this actually because. Um, to provide access to uh, plugins and um, features you've added and stuff like that by multi-level, uh, I had to have some way to tell the client implementation um, that like what you'd added. So I wrote a thing called level manifest that at the moment it just exports like the sub-levels that you've created and any functions and like whether they return a stream or they're just an async callback or whatever um, puts that into a JSON file that you can require um, on the client, which you browserify, hopefully. Uh, well, I'm assuming you browserify it. And then that tells the client side what to do, uh, what what methods you've added. So you can call those methods as if uh, they're on your local database. And that could probably be uh, extended with the, you know, the key formats and, and this sort of stuff. That's an interesting way to do it. I mean, I, I sort of like the idea of storing it in the database, like alongside of whatever it is. Like, you know, if it's if it's images as values, then if we could find like a standard library where we say like, here's meta information and then here's a chunk of binary. And if everybody sort of used that module to store all their binary, then we could just look for those hints at the top and then we would have all the metadata and we could add things like content types and, and shit like that. Um, whereas like if it's a separate JSON file, then we have to have like a lot of additional tooling around um, it in order to do the introspection. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I just made it a JSON file because 
Um, you can require JSON files, but you can't require um, level DB values. Um, so that was what worked at in this uh, context. But I've totally about putting it, putting stuff in the database. So I just haven't had an immediate need for that yet. Okay, so uh, if people are getting into to LevelDB and, and into Node databases, uh, what are some good resources that they should go and try to read? Uh, one of the papers that I had read that I found really interesting, um, because I was I was re really I really found level <clears throat> level DB to be very simple to work with, um, and and I felt like you know without a lot of investment I could probably understand it all the way down completely. Uh, so um, there was this paper by uh, Patrick O'Neill, um, uh, the log the um, the log structure merge tree. Uh, <clears throat> it's and, and I believe that's what it's called. The the, the log structured merge tree. <clears throat> and it's co-written by like some some really interesting some other really interesting people too. But it thoroughly goes through um, like the um, like from end to end uh, log structured merge tree. And then I think after reading this paper, going through and code reading the level DB code itself is, is really, really, really pretty easy because a lot of the concepts are, you completely understand. Um, so I highly recommend reading this paper, especially if you're really interested in binary um, uh, B-tree append-only data structures. I think that, that this is... Um, that this is a really interesting paper um, and, and definitely gives you a solid foundation on which to talk about um, level, level DB. Cool. Rod, you, uh, you wrote some stuff too, right? You have a few introductions. Um, yeah, so we've, we've been trying to put together some resources. I think the first place to start would be go to the Level Up page um, and look at the README there. It's, it's pretty large and there's lots of stuff in there. Um, but I've also got uh, a series of articles on dailyjs.com. Um, the two, two of them are up at the moment, and the third one is going to be up hopefully soon. I'll have to finish it. Um, so the first one introduces the basics of level DB, just a you know, fairly basic level. And the second one deals specifically with level up and looks at how you can use level up. And then it, I, I thought it'd be um, good to put some stuff about... Um, you know, the whole sorting concept and how to use, how to maximize the utility of sorting. So there's a section at the bottom of that article that um, that deals with, you know, prefixes and separating your namespaces and that sort of stuff. So that, because that's quite a core, core concept of using LabelDB. Um, and something that comes up quite often is how do I structure my keys? And I, mean, I think we could probably devote a whole episode of this podcast to that. We probably um, will. Great. Um, so yeah, there's there's two articles at the moment, and um, the third article will be about um, extending level up, um, and it'll look at some of the things that people are doing now, and some of the you know some of the stuff we've discussed already about best practices or lack thereof. So um, I think those those links will be in the show notes. Great. Uh, I think that concludes our first episode. Uh... I, I'm really liking this show, and I think that in a few weeks we'll have um, enough to do another one. Everything's happening so fast. It's awesome.